0: Hi everyone, welcome to Chit Chat with Jose Miguel, the podcast. Are you seeking to find your purpose, but not sure where to start? Do you feel like something is missing in your life and need some real guidance? Do you feel like you can use some inspiration and motivation? Well, here's the podcast for you. Each week, I'll be using my expertise in life and career coaching to bring you topics surrounding the conversations of happiness, success, and life. I look forward to having meaningful conversations where we can explore stories and ideas, and create a space for people to connect and feel like they can belong. We'll have episodes that will include special guests as well as live shows where you can call in and ask your questions. I'm looking forward to bringing you amazing episodes every Wednesday, starting in mid-April. I hope to hear from you. If you want, follow me on Instagram at Coach Jose Miguel or Jose Miguel Longo. And you can send your emails with comments and questions to hello at coachingwithjoseamiguel.com. I look forward to hearing from you and bringing you some awesome conversations. Thanks and be safe. Hello, Chit Chatters, and welcome to another episode of Chit Chat with Jose Miguel, the podcast. I'm so excited to be talking to you today because this is a part one of a two-part episode I think it's really important as a podcast host that you get to know me a little bit better. You get to know who I am and also what is it at the core that I do and why this podcast is so important. So I know we we gave an intro that was like six minutes long. They talked a little bit about what the podcast is and who the podcast is supposed to be and all that good stuff. But you don't really know who I am. I'm just this person, right, that's recording podcasts and sharing information with you. Now, This whole part one is really about me and the person who I am. And, you know, it might help, it might help people decide if this podcast is for them. Let's say that because I am very real and I serve it to you real and very raw. And I'm not going to candy coat anything uh, because it's just not who I am in my personality. So, my name's Jose Miguel Longo. I'm a 36-year-old gay male. I'm of Hispanic descent. I'm mixed with Italian and some other stuff in between. Um, I was born and raised in New York City, Queens, New York. Props to all my Corona, Jackson Heights, and East Elmhurst folks who are listening. I love you. You're my peoples. As an adult, that's, that's the broad scale of what I identify with. Um, I live in Syracuse, New York with my husband, who's... An amazing human being in person. Um, I love him and adore him to death. And I have two golden doodles who are the best things ever. They're my kids. I have a big, huge sign in my kitchen that says my my kids have four paws. So, you know, who I am. And I did not have, like most people who do this type of stuff. And I'm not going to make a stereotype, but I did not have the easiest upbringing And a lot of the experiences that I've had in my life have led to positive things in trying to help others. And so the the experiences that I've had, which have caused me to speak openly about, um, have impacted people in many different ways. And why am I saying this? So I had an abusive childhood, which is not always easy to talk about, especially when you're Hispanic and especially to say it publicly. Parents back then hit their kids, plain and simple. It wasn't a big deal and it's just what it was. It was what the culture was. But it was different because I was a good kid. Um, And so at the root of it, I don't want to say that I didn't deserve every single beating that I got, but I don't really believe that I deserved to be treated the way I did from both my parents. I have a really messed up, fucked up relationship non-existing relationship with my mother. And I think most people who know me well have learned that that's been a battle my whole entire life. When I was about 13 years old, my mother sent me away for reasons that no one really will ever know the truth on. But she claims that I was doing drugs and that I was around people who were bad influence. And it changed me in a way that I ultimately could not understand at the core how a parent can do that to their child. It caused me to go into really deep, deep depression, which is where I start from because the childhood pieces you can't change. And as you start to morph into this person where you have ideas and understanding of things and why things happen, you know, typically around the ages of like 8, 9, 10, 11, there was stuff that happened between 8, 9, 10, 11, and a lot of good and, you know, we don't want to always think about the bad. Sometimes we block that out, and I have parts of my life that I have. But the pivotal points for me were between 12 um, to kind of 15 that kind of molded me in a really traumatic way, and it forced me to grow up very quickly. I didn't have, in adolescence, having the fucked-up childhood that I did forced me to kind of be this version of a person who I really didn't know. And... But what, what's the weirdest thing about it is that I've become this adult who's always um, not scared to speak my mind, but also my friend would call me wiser. And I say it's because of the experiences that I've had. I had to learn and decide whether I was going to eat one day or wash my clothes. And so I chose eating or just the weird fucked up shit that you never want to see a young, teenage, adolescent kid go through. Um, and I can talk more about that later. But at the root of it, I've been working since I was 15 years old. And I've worked really hard for every single thing that I've accomplished in my life and mm-hmm. have done in my life. And I think it's made me a better person Um you know, the the whole idea of me working, I started working at a Wendy's. So props to all of you who worked in fast food. Um, I think that sometimes fast food work as a young kid is the best thing for anybody. It teaches you customer service. It teaches you patience. It teaches you uh, a, an ethical skill set that most people will never understand. And I have been one of those people who, when I look at someone's resume and I see fast food on there, I'm like, yep, they know what it takes to really help and serve people because you're providing a service. From there, I worked at Radio Shack. So bear in mind that this was all through high school. I held a two part-time jobs um, and then a full-time and a part-time when I was in high school. So very unorthodox. Many people in New York City who may have had to help their family may have had this type of situation. For me, it was more about I needed to help myself because I was on my own. Um, I wasn't a legal emancipated minor, but I'd have been on my own since I was 15 years old. And some would argue that it's by choice, but I see it as survival because living in a household where your parents don't watch you can be really complex and and could be really hard on a kid who's trying to figure out who the fuck they are, as many of us are. I mean, I think I think some people now in their lives are still trying to figure out who they are because they've changed and become a different person. And so the, those years were some heavy shit because I was trying to be a person in my age while still being an adult and taking care of myself and worrying about the things that kids shouldn't have to worry about. As I grew out of high school you know, 17, 18 years old, the jobs got harder and, you know, I went into different types of jobs and that's when, you know, after working at Radio Shack for two and a half years, I decided to go work for telecommunications. One of the cell phone companies at the time was Sprint, PCS, not Sprint and Nextel or anything like that. It was the original Sprint. Best job I ever had, one of the funnest jobs I ever had. I made a shit ton of money. A ton of money for being 18 years old, making almost six figures is amazing while working, while being in high school. One job I forgot to mention in between that was Radio, um, Blockbuster. Who remembers Blockbuster? Oh my goodness. So, Blockbuster was also amazing. I loved working at Blockbuster. The fun, the part that wasn't fun was getting out at one in the morning and trying to figure out how to go from Steinway in 34th to Almhurst, deep pockets by LaGuardia Airport with very limited train service and no buses. Yeah, that sucks Donkey Kong. So transportation in New York City, obviously, and back then was the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm not sure that it's changed that much, but after a certain time is non-existential. So it required me to wait for a train that was going from, I don't know, I think it was Ditmars or Steinway to either the number seven train and then take a cab from there or a three and a half plus mile walk to my house. Um, So not fun when like you're in high school and you're supposed to be in school not working and not working until one in the morning either. Just those trials and tribulations of growing up in New York City being a kid. And I have to say, though, when I think back about it, growing up in the 90s in New York, for all those who can relate to this, again, millennials, you know, I think it was magical. I think I had the best backyard ever in Manhattan, you know, be having the, at least I did, had the freedom to go wherever I wanted to go and... Um, from the time that I was about 11 years old, 10 years old. Again, I was a good kid. As long as I called, had a quarter, called and said I was going to be late, it was A-OK. Um, not all the time, but most of the time. And as long as I was home by dark, it was also A-OK. So anyway, having to work at 15, 16 years old and managing a a person, myself, and how to figure what that, figure out what that was, and all that stuff is not the easiest thing. So, I went through a period of depression at that time that I didn't talk about with anybody and didn't know that I was depressed. Um, I had a lot of suicidal ideations. Um, I had two attempts when I was at that age, fourteen. Um, and then 15. And, um, you know, I kind of poured my heart into writing and listening to music and staying busy and staying active and not paying attention to those voices in my head that were really the target of, I don't want to say target of all evil, but when you're dealing with so much in your life and you're a fucking kid and you don't have no idea what to do and you're just figuring it out as it happens is really tough. And, you know, there was very little people who supported me. I had an aunt who, you know, my grandmother was my gem, I should say. She was always my rock, but I can never talk to her about it. But I had an aunt who was my grandmother, my mother's mother, um, who, she wasn't my mother's, my grandmother's niece, but she was my grandmother's sister, I should say. Um, she was my grandmother's nephew's wife, so I called her my aunt because when you're Spanish, everyone is your aunt and your uncle and your cousin. I called her my aunt because she was always there for me and she played a really pivotal role in my life. And, you know, her her being in her presence, um, never judging, um, just there to listen. And she took me in in a period when I needed someone to help me, taking care of her sick husband, having two kids of her own, just... A person who I'm very grateful for at a period of my life that was very dark, and never ever ever turned the cheek to say no. I, I, I know she knows this. I love her like a mother. We don't talk very much, um, but she, we, you know, she she ultimately did everything for me that I would I couldn't have asked the mother to do, and you know. The relationship I have have with my mom has caused a lot of hurt for me that has been really hard to get over. And it wasn't until very recently that I found a way to get over it and not feel like I was holding this resentment and heartache in. Because I think that anybody, all they want is just their mother's love and their mother's support. And um, this woman who birthed me could never even do that so it made it really hard but to get it to to get to a point of everything really um you know my aunt i i think that she she had everything that any kid could have wanted in a parent and i'm very grateful for her and for many years she was always there for me so living in new york i had to grow up and You know, even after high school, unlike many of my friends, I did not go to college. I worked. I had a full-time job, like I said before, I was working even before I graduated. So like many of my friends who weren't working or maybe had a part-time job, they all went off to college and I stayed in New York and I worked. And it wasn't until I started to grow in my career in telecommunications and Started to become more skilled, right, at the work that I was doing, at the time I was 18, working for Sprint, I realized that to climb the corporate ladder and education was essential. And I struggled with the idea of getting an education, especially with the fact that I was broke. Yes, I made a lot of money for being my age, but I was a kid living in New York City. New York City is fucking expensive, And at the time, I was living with my grandmother, taking care of her, taking care of some of the utilities and expenses of living with her. And I'm going to say this, and this is going to make people laugh, I also had a girlfriend. Yes, I dated women. Um, More on that at some point in the future. And the experience of living in New York and dealing with all this and trying to figure it out, I didn't know how to save money. I didn't know what it meant to have a credit card, I didn't know anything. And so everything that came in went right back out, to be quite honest. There was never a dime that I saved. I had a 401k because my job told me that that would be a good idea. Did I know what the 401k was? No, fucking 18 years old. I got a commission check. I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna go party it up. But I wasn't partying it up. I would spend it on stupid stuff. Um, the girlfriend going to eat, you know, clothes. There really wasn't anything that was tangible that I could say for making nearly 100 grand in New York. I paid taxes out my ass. And here's the problem. When you work in sales, I had a salary, right, that was probably about $25,000, which is not a lot of money. So you have to hustle for that commission check. I know a lot of you out there who may be listening to this are like, yup, Dan Skippy. And I thought $25,000 as a salary was decent because again, I had been making hourly rate. The the highest I made as an hourly rate before I went to salary, I think might have been at the time maybe $15 an hour. And that was because I was a junior manager at Radio Shack. So just to kind of play this out a little bit better for you, $15 to about... 17, I worked at Wendy's. From 17 to 18, I worked at Blockbuster. But I had an overlap between 16 and 18 at Radio Shack. So when I started working at Blockbuster, I was working at Radio Shack. And I didn't want to leave either one of them. So that's where having two part-time jobs came into play. And Wendy was, was fun. It was hard to let go. It was hard to say goodbye. It was funny because of all the things that I did there, and I feel like I could run the place. But so just to give you some, some background and some idea of what that looked like. And the Sprint thing happened organically because when I worked at uh, Radio Shack, everyone who I worked with said, you are killing it with selling cell phones. And back then going back to 1999 and 2000, cell phones were the shit, okay? Everyone and their mother wanted a cell phone. And good credit, bad credit, no credit, you can get a cell phone. And I could sell you the scummy Adidas shoes that I wear, and you would be like, yeah, I want to have those sneakers. Okay, here you go, sell them to you. So for me, that experience to go from working at Radio Shack Uh, Mom and Pop, you know. By the way, fuck, Radio Shack and Blockbuster both close. Crazy to even think that right now. To go from Radio Shack to Sprint was an amazing thing. And I worked for Sprint a little bit over a year. So at that point, it was 2001. I had just finished high school. And I was there until the end of 2002. So I started like in February, March of 2001. And went all the way in through the following year. I'd grown like three positions. They hired me as a customer service person. Then I went into a sales position. And from sales, I went into business to business slash resident, like not residential, but like selling to people that were consumers. So that takes the commission to a whole other level. So going back to the pay, the pay thing was unique because... You can earn money on accessories. You can earn money on the plan. You can earn money on the cell phone. So back in the day, the, the, the amount of money that you earned could have been endless. So I was seeing a monthly commission check of anywhere between five to $10,000. And when you talk about commission, it's a 50% tax. So yes, the net income was huge. But when you get taxed on that net income... Is ridiculous. So the dollar signs when you're 18, 19 years old, feel like a lot, but in the grand scheme of it's not. And you have to pay that commission when you get taxed right then and there because the last thing you want to do is have taxes to pay later. And they'll do the tax for you anyway. So... Those experiences and those periods of my life ultimately molded me in a way that was really unique because it took me into a world of business that I had never thought. And when I wanted to grow for the company and I realized that, I needed to get an education to do that. I felt screwed and I felt lost because I felt like here I found something that I really enjoyed doing and now I have this block, this hurdle that I have to overcome and I don't know how to overcome it. And I looked at different schools. I looked at what school could be like. Mind you, I wasn't like too much of a fan of high school. I got through it and I managed to do it and it was all right. But it sucked. It fucking sucked because I knew that I was doing something I enjoyed, I was really good at, and I was killing it. And to have to get an education seemed really hard. I had a sick grandmother. She was my whole world. And like I said that before, my grandmother, you know, I would say jump, she would say how high. Let me put it to you that way. I was my grandmother's favorite. And if my brother listens to this, he will agree with me. Everyone and their mother does. But just like my mother is my brother's favorite, or was, was my brother's favorite. And if he's listening to this, he will agree too. Um, but, you know, I, I had a hard time leaving my grandmother at home when I was working. And I had a hard time taking care of my grandmother with what she was dealing with, because she had onset Alzheimer's that progressed very quickly. And it progressed quickly because she fell very many times in the course of me trying to take care of her and me wanting to be there. And if I rewind a little bit, um, the year that I moved in with her, right after I graduated high school, my grandfather had passed, which was her um, husband, And he was sick with lung cancer. So I was there for that. And in that same process, my grandmother was trying to sell her home so that she had something to go to downsize to. So we moved into this condo on 108th Street and Corona Ave. Those of you who are from Queens listening to this, you know who I am. And it was right across the street from my high school, which, shit, I had wished we had moved in a year and a half before that because it wouldn't have been such a problem for me and I would have been able to get my ass to school. But anyways, it was an experience and I don't regret taking care of my grandparents. If there's anybody that I would say I would take care of, it would have been them because my grandmother gave me life. And just the same way I adored my aunt, um Tita, I adored my grandmother and she was my rock. And there's very little that I say I wish I had I wish I had been there more. But the fact that I had to be there to take care of her the way that she was, it was really sad. If anybody who has a relative who is dealing with Alzheimer's, I'm so sorry. My heart my heart goes out to you. I feel for you because it's really, really hard to see someone you love be in that place. And I would never, ever want to wish that on anybody. Not that I would, but I just, I feel like it's such a traumatic situation for someone to not really know and recognize What's happening? In 2002, I got a call from this person who's my mother. And again, being that person who just wants their mother's love, I accepted the call and conversation. And she needed help. And it was financial help. And of course, I got the guilt that I needed to help her because this was for my brother and my sister, which I adore. My little brother and my sister, God mar- God, raised her soul. Um, we had such a weird relationship. As kids, we were fighting like cats and dogs. Um, I did not really get to experience my brother and my sister growing up because my mom sent me away and it was taken away from me. And having to about them not being able to have was really hard for me to say no. It all ended up being a lie. Well, maybe not all of it, part of it, but I was helping them for a long time, for about seven months. And so my mom eventually convinced me to move upstate. So at the time, my mother moved to upstate New York, Utica, New York. So those of you Utica who are listening to this, shit's getting real. Um, And I I decided that after much speculation and much um, persistence, I needed to make sure my grandmother was taken care of. So she had a twenty farm home health aid. I would come down a lot to check in, and um, she did not last very long. And I don't know if she would have lasted a lot longer anyway because of how her situation was and how the things were happening. But I think I moved in... Like J- July or August, and my mom, my grandmother passed in October of 2002. And I struggled with that really bad because I felt like I left her and I did not know how to live. Um, without my grandmother because I used to call her and I would talk to her and we were in a weird place but it was hard to be in a weird place with someone who doesn't really know where they are half the time and my aunt Tita actually was one of the people that would take care of her and then we had another home health aid person that would come in to take care of her during the day so Tita lived with her at night the other person during the day I'm getting watery t- crying right now like talking about it but so it it just it was just an an experience. You know, I left my life in New York to come live upstate to be with who my family is supposed to be after so many years of having just fucked up crazy mother and son and father and son drama, I left New York to be with these people. and my brother and my sister. And at the time I was twenty, um, hadn't quite turned 21 yet. I was 20 years old. And, you know, I, I transferred from Sprint, which is why I said I worked, still continue to work in there, to Sprint upstate. And that was very short lived. And then I had to get another job. Short lived because of practices at Sprint in another place are very different than the practices in New York City. Let's just say that. But I got fired. I'm okay with that. I'm doing much better. Um, so I end up working at um, MetLife, I think it was. MetLife was the first job. Yeah, MetLife. And um, when I worked there, I was going to school nights. And I decided to go to Utica School of Commerce, which is the biggest piece of shit ever. Thank God it doesn't exist anymore. And um, I swear to God, the amount of student loan I have, I have $200,000 in student loan. If you're out there listening to this, This gets juicier, and I hope that maybe this is not just the one part and a part two um, of this. Maybe I'll talk more about this in other episodes. But there's so many things that I know that I want to talk to you about and that I want to be able to share with you. One is how to manage life through figuring yourself out. Because not only have I just learned and experienced it myself, but I'm educated in that. So if that means anything to anybody... I'm from the School of Hard Knocks, but I also sacrificed a lot and got my education and then got the degrees. And to, to really bring this all to kind of together, I feel that if there's anybody who is looking to figure themselves out, I can talk you through how to help yourself. Because a lot of it is having conversations that will help someone pinpoint, help someone figure out the aha moment. A lot of it is taking deep, Uh, a deep look at your adolescence and figuring out who the person you were then and the person you've become today and learning more about where your passion lies and where your purpose lies. And for me, you know, kind of to summarize this particular episode a little bit, because I know that I've been talking a lot about my, you know, 13 to 20 at this point, I want to kind of close this particular episode out with just mentioning that I do work that ultimately helps people not just forget who they are, but get to a place where they can start a new journey. And sometimes that requires someone crying or requires someone to get messy. I tell people to keep a journal, keep a diary. And at the end, when we, you know, kind of spend all this time together, coaching, really, it helps the person gain clarity and gain perspective. And so if you're looking to figure yourself out and figure out what that means, I can spend half an hour and I offer, I always offer 30 minutes free because I know that sometimes for people, you have to see what the result is before you want to pour out of your pockets. And I totally get that. So that's why I always say that the, the, the offering is 30 minutes free coaching to just kind of write out an outline of what this would look like. But what I typically do with someone is take an intake of what are some of the things that they're concerned with, what are they struggling with, and then we start kind of diving in and understanding how do we piece this together. There's some workbook and worksheet stuff that I do if it's necessary, a lot of assessment in inventories and personality and work. But... From where I've come, from where I was to where I've come now, I've grown leaps and bounds. And, you know, this work of not just the podcast, but I've discovered that my audience is the millennial generation. And having, being part of that. So for any of you who don't know, millennials are anyone who was born from 1981 82, well, I think it's 81, to 1995. That is the millennial generation. Um, Some people would say 94, but I think it's 95. And the generation that we're currently seeing today is anybody who was born at the cusp of 95, 96, all the way to 2020, 2015, which are Gen Zs. So as I've grown in my career, I've worked with both millennials and Gen Zs because I, myself, being a millennial, understand the challenges that we have. And a lot of people have this period of of where they go through and feel like they're lost in who they're trying to become in the 25 to 27 age range. And then in your 30s, you start to question, am I doing everything I'm supposed to do? Am I happy with the life that I'm living? Is the career path that I've taken the one that I want to be in? And that's kind of where I come in. That's where I step in and say and raise my hand. I can help you. Let's talk about it. And so authentically, I truly am a person who is always here to serve and help people. At the root of it, I left the corporate world in telecommunications and sales to go do work that was much more rewarding for me, which was helping others. And I discovered this along the way. This wasn't something that happened. It happened organically, yes, and it happened where I was realizing that I was doing it already. But this wasn't something that I ultimately decided and woke up one day, I think I'm going to be a coach. I think I'm going to be a life coach. The transition and the, the path and the journey happened over time. And I've been doing this work for eleven years. I've been coaching people in their life, in their career, um, in their happiness, in their business for eleven years, which is crazy to think that. But you know, I grew up doing this from my twenties, my mid to my mid twenties, to now I'm in my late thirties. So, having said all that. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm looking forward to bringing you part two, maybe even more, and hope that you get to know me a little bit better. Because authentically, I think having authenticity, which is what I'm trying to say, is really important. And when you're trying to build an audience and you want people to listen to what you have to say, that's also really important. So I know I say that word a lot, but these are all things that are valuable. These are all things that I think you have to care about in a certain degree. To make them matter to someone else. So, to close this episode out, everybody talked enough. Thank you for all the love. I'm gonna call you all chit chatters because it's called Chit Chat with Jose Miguel. And I've seen so much growth and so many people listening to this, and I'm so happy to keep doing this for all of you. Thank you again. I hope you all stay safe, and I will till next time.